Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. And a warm welcome to PCF Church. If you're online, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you with us. Get your Bibles out and turn to the most awesome book that I'm reading at the moment, the Gospel of Mark. I'm still in the Gospel of Mark. I've been in the Gospel of Mark for at least six months. I'm having a blast. Do you know what I'm doing? I take the the passage and I read it. And and then I I check it out, the equivalent in Matthew and then in Luke and in John. and, And I check out all the commentaries. So I'm only taking a couple of verses at a time. And uh, I'm just diving. And, and remember what uh, Alan Hewitt told us to do? Remember he told us to become part of the story? So get immersed in it. Get right into the story and have a look and feel it. And say, what did it feel like to be there? What was the emotion? Was it a sunny day? Was it a cloudy day? How did they feel about that? When Jesus said that, what emotions did it provoke? Oh, I'm loving it. I love this book. Do you love the book? Come on. Yes, a couple of us do. Well, last week, last week, Claire and I were sharing and we were talking about blind Bartimaeus. And uh, I, I want to sum it up in one line. Bartimaeus, the impossible happens when we submit to Rabboni. We throw off what hinders us and we follow him in our new commission. Today's submission is tomorrow's commission. So we in the book of Mark, and I would like to start to read a couple of passages, a well-known story, and um, this is again one of these passages that has been preached more than any other, so I'm going to do the impossible today. Mark chapter 11, verse 12, 14, 20 to 26. Now the next day, when they came out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. There's a little interlude of a couple of verses, and I'll explain what happened there. something slightly different, but Jesus carries on with the story on the next day. Verse 20 says, Now in the morning they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. How many of you have heard a a talk on that? (laughs) 
Loads of us, loads of loads of So I was, I was toying this morning about a title for my sermon, and I came up with one, and Claire said no. Because <laughs> the title that I came up was this, Grumpy Jesus. <laughs> but when I said Grumpy Jesus, she said, Wayne, you're going to get emails. You're going to get texts telling you that that is sacrilege. You can't say Jesus was grumpy. This was the beginning of Holy Week, and I sometimes think it's the beginning of Grumpy Week. Because it starts out in a very negative way, you know. And so uh, Claire said, no, you will not call it that. And I submit to my wife. Um, So we're calling it God of the Impossible, Parable of the Fig Tree. Parable of the Fig Tree. Now let me just give you a little bit of context. Let's dive into the story. We have just had blind Bartimaeus' healing. I want to backtrack even just a a step behind that. This story is taking place. Uh, on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, and Jesus has just gone and hidden away because of persecution. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Lazarus, if you remember. Lazarus had just been raised from the dead. So he went into the hill country, into the sides near the Jordan. They're just north, the researchers tell us, north of Jericho, Jerusalem, that area. And he's in the wilderness there. And now he's coming into Jerusalem for the final week, the great entry as you and I know it. So this is the road where the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan is recorded. This is an incredibly dangerous road. It is a long road. It's a very hard road. Did you know that this road going from Jericho right up to Jerusalem is no less than 2,986 feet climb? For you guys in the metric, uh, it is 910 meters elevation. So it is an uphill slog, and it looks just like that photograph. It is arid. There is nothing there. It is desert. Bandits lie in wait. It is a dangerous road going from Jericho all the way up to Jerusalem. And Jesus is making this transition. So he comes out of uh, the hiding place there, and he comes into Jericho, and there he heals last week blind Bartimaeus. He goes on through, and now he heads towards Jerusalem. As he goes along towards Jerusalem, he stops off very briefly at Bethany. Now, Bethany is actually directly translated as the house of figs, because there were a lot of natural fig trees in the area, and there was also palm trees in the area. And that's where, you know, when he came into Jerusalem, they took palm trees and they waved. So that's where they just got it off the natural trees there. This journey is 18 miles. It would have taken an average person six hours if you did a brisk walk, eight hours if you stopped off for some lunch at a coffee shop on the road. Okay, there weren't any coffee shops. So, so, you, so you made haste and you moved along there. It is a long journey. Bethany is also ca- called the house of affliction. The reason for that is there were a lot of lepers in that area. And in the Jewish days, you were not allowed in the city center in Jerusalem itself. So they would have lived on the outskirts. They were expelled into the suburbs areas near Bethany and Bethpage. Jesus comes along on the same day. He leaves early in the morning. He drives, he drives, listen to me. He drives his donkey. No, he walked. He walked. He didn't have a four by four or electric car. He walked. And he walks those eight hours and he gets there to Bethany and He then says to his disciples, I want you to go and get uh, a colt from there. And as you come into the village, you know the story. And he gets on the colt. And then he rides in through the Garden of Gethsemane, down into the Kedron Valley, up into. And the Bible says it was late in the day. 
where he arrived. Now, what you don't realize, late in the day, they had a morning prayer time and an evening prayer time. And in the evening prayer time, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they'd go to the synagogue, the, the, the temple, and they would uh, make sacrifices as well. So it was one of the bigger ones. So that's the big crowded area. So everyone is out on the streets, and Jesus would have been coming either as they're going into the temple or coming out. And that's when they all said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You remember that story? Okay, so that's the little background that you have to the story. So on this day, day number one, Jesus heads out, heals Bartimaeus, goes towards Jerusalem, stops off at Bethany, gets the cult, goes triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, He looks around the temple. The Bible says late, so he says, I'm going to Martha's house for some supper. Turns around and walks all the way back, uh, 45-minute walk, two miles back to Martha's house in Bethany. The next morning, Jesus wakes up. And it says he heads into Jerusalem and he's hungry and he curses the fig tree. He's he's now a little bit grumpy, hasn't had breakfast. So he goes into the temple and he says, what? You guys have turned my father's house uh, house of prayer into a den of thieves. And he turns the tables and he takes out a whip and he really, and then he turns around and he promptly goes back to Martha's house. Next day, this is day number three in the events. Jesus heads back towards Jerusalem to the temple. He notices, the disciples notice the fig tree. They have a big conversation of the explanation of it, where you move mountains, you speak to things, and you come into Jerusalem. Oh, just by the way, he comes into Jerusalem. The scribes and the Pharisees want to check, check him out, and they say, by which authority did you do this? Jesus says, I'll tell you what, I'll ask you a question. If you don't answer me, I won't answer you. They can't answer him, so he says, I won't answer you. Trust me, Jesus is grumpy. So I started praying about this. I said, God, what is going on with this story? And I got a word of the Lord. You ready for the revelation? Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. (laughs) Second application for you. Wives, if you want a happy life, make sure your man gets fed before he goes out to work. Easy as that. Okay, write me the emails. I don't care. I'm a big boy. I can take it. This story, I'm just messing, Jesus isn't grumpy, okay, don't write to me. This story isn't just a story, it's a parable. A parable, uh, the Bible says, Jesus never spoke or taught anything without using a parable. But this isn't your typical parable. This parable is actually a demonstrated, acted out parable. Jesus says, so important, I'm not just going to tell you about it, I'm going to demonstrate this parable to you. Uh, C.H. Dodd, he's a Welsh uh, scholar and theologian, he said this about parables. They are a metaphor, a simile, a story drawn from common life, arresting the hearer by its strangeness, leaving the mind in sufficient doubt as to its precise application to tease out active thought with often an unexpected twist in the story. That's what a parable is. Yeah, this is really a parable, isn't it? Teasing out a little bit of thought. And you say, ah, I know exactly what you guys are thinking. I know what Wayne's going to preach this morning. He's going to preach that we need to speak the Word of God. And yes, you're right, we do need to speak the Word of God. Or you might be thinking, yes, I know, we mustn't doubt in the heart what we speak. We must just believe. Yes, the Bible does say we must believe and speak. But no, that's not what I'm going to speak about. You might be thinking, I oh, know, we've got to pray because Claire's introducing a new prayer night, and uh, so we need to all be praying. And yes, we do need to be praying, but no, that's not what I'm going to speak about. 
Oh, Wayne, we're going to do the impossible because God's a God. Yes, yes, yes. But no, that's not what I'm going to speak about. I would like to speak about something a little bit different. And I want to start off in verse 21. There's no slide for it, so don't look. Just, just listen to this. Peter, remembering what happened to the fig tree, says, Rabbi, look. Now, I went to Matthew's gospel, and it actually says there he exclaimed with surprise. He would have said, oh, my God, look what happened. Or maybe he would have said, no way, get out of here. If he was a young person, he would have done, that sick man, that so, so, how did they do it? That sick man. He acted with surprise. Well, how is it that this fig tree has shriveled up from the root? Peter was shocked. He was surprised. And why? Ask yourself, why was Peter so shocked about this fig tree being withered from the root? You see, this is the only miracle in the entire Bible recorded where Jesus did a destructive miracle. All the other ones were constructive, restorative. They had known him as the healer. Deliverer, restorer, provider. And here Jesus has cursed a fig tree. They knew his words over and over and over. Jesus had said, I have not come to destroy, but I came to seek and save that which was lost. He said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the Gospels record those words. He's come to save, but here he didn't. He cursed the fig tree. Why? Why was this so important? The devil knew that God, or Jesus, could do the impossible. He even said when he was being tempted, you remember, he said, oh, speak to those rocks and tell them to be turned into bread. So why did Jesus not go up to the fig tree and lay his hands on the fig tree and say, be healed of fruitlessness and bear fruit? Why didn't he? Why did he curse something? Could I suggest to you this parable is a little bit deeper than what just meets the eye? And this parable can be summed up in three words that gets you really going. Three simple words found in verse 12. Are you ready for these three words? We'll explain everything. Simple is this. Jesus was hungry. That's why. Oh, wait, I don't understand. Now, wait. A parable is a metaphor. It's a story meant for a deeper Meaning. So yes, Jesus was physically hungry for something to eat, but that's not why this happened. He wants us to learn something through this. So it's not physical food that Jesus is wanting. He's actually, the story is all about getting spiritual food. He's something deeper there. Just by the way, there were many trees in the area, many trees that only had leaves with no fruit, and Jesus didn't curse those trees. And there were many trees in the area that were just totally barren. No fruit, no leaves, no nothing. And Jesus didn't curse those. So what did he have against this poor little fig tree? See, I got into the story and I'm pretending to be the fig tree. What about me? Why me? Why are you picking on me? He hasn't got any fruit. And, you know, what about him? He's got no leaves. You didn't, you didn't hammer him. Poor little fig tree. Why? Well, it's easily explained. Listen to this. Uh, the author, Fred T. Wright, in his book, Mannerisms and Customs of the Bible Land, says this. The normal habit of a fig tree in Israel was that fruit begins immediately as soon as leaves appear, and then the fruit and the leaves disappear together. 
If there's leaves, there's fruit. If there's no leaves, there's no fruit. You can't have one without the other. You see, Jesus wasn't cursing this fig tree because it didn't have fruit. He cursed it because it had leaves and no fruit. You see, what he was cursing was no false advertising. The tree was saying, hoo-hoo, I got leaves. So you're expecting to find fruit. He got there and there was no fruit. So it was false advertising. This tree was pretending to have fruit when in fact it didn't. False advertising. This is a warning Jesus made to Israel. I think this is maybe why he went into the temple and he started ripping it apart and whipping them and getting, kicking them out. You see, he knew that Israel was a chosen nation. They had stood distinct from other nations, professing their allegiance towards God. They had been spiritually chosen. They claimed righteousness above every other nation. And Jesus was saying, you got leaves, but you got no fruit. You're walking around in fancy robes. You're praying fancy prayers. You're using your position in the temple, wearing all these garbs to go and rip people off with money, from money, making them buy and sell for things. But there was no fruit, false advertising, and he was actually getting on their case and saying, as a nation, woe to you, be careful, you're going to be cursed if you don't start to deliver fruit. The Gentiles, they had no pretense to be godly, so they weren't judged, they weren't being cursed, they didn't have leaves. They didn't have fruit. It was not their season. It's a metaphor. What about us? Do we have leaves but no fruit? Are we pretending? I come to church, hallelujah, you're the God of miracles. And someone comes to take a bite of our fruit and goes, oh, that's just leaves and bark. Where's the fruit? How are you, brother? How are you, sister? And then, it's like vomit comes out. And you think, do we have the fruit? Or are we only leaves. See, God doesn't want a show with no goods. He doesn't want profession without the fruit. He doesn't want confession without repentance. He doesn't talk without the walk. He doesn't want faith without actions. He wants some fruit. Oh, Wayne, <laughs> I know where you're going with this sermon. You're going to talk to us about church attendance, and we've got to not, not neglect the gathering of the saints together. And yes, you are correct. We shouldn't. But no, that's not what I'm preaching about. No? Oh, I know what you're going to preach about, Wayne. You're going to preach about people serving in church. We've all got to get involved with the super kids or the youth. Josh, give me a wave. You want more helpers and youth? Yeah, and kids. Yeah, look at him waving their thumbs up. Yeah, should we preach about that? No. Yes, we ought to do all that. But that's not what I want to speak about. Oh, maybe Wayne's going to speak about financial giving, how we need to continue with our tithes and our offerings and our first fruits giving, and, you know, and we need to be faithful with that. That's fruit in our lives. We're going to do, yes, you need to do that, but no, that's not what I want to speak about. No false pretenses. Jesus actually spoke a lot about fruit. Listen to this verse here. This is just, by the way, a couple of days later in the Gospel of John. John 15, and it's a famous 10 verses. It's famous. You all know this backwards. I just want to pick out two of the verses. It says there, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. It's all about the fruit. 
It's all about the, or is it the, the base. No, it's the fruit. <laughs> By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. Fruit. Oh, I do like this story. <laughs> I do like this story. You see, fruit is good for you. Fruit is healthy. As you British would say, it's one of your five a day. Did I say it right? Five a day. <laughs> okay, Peter Kay says it like that, but okay, it's one of your five a day. Yeah, so it's one of our five a day, we know that. It's fruit, has got nutrients, fruits have minerals, fruits have vitamins and vitamins. They're attractive, they're colorful. Do you know what fruit is saying? Eat me. Eat me. There's my favorite one. I want to skin that one and put it in the pan and make a banana fritter out of it. My goodness, some syrup. Oh, could not be better than that. Uh, maybe mangoes. Oh, man, good. You peel it back and that juicy, succulent flesh inside of it. Fruit says, eat me. <laughs> okay, let's get spiritual, shall we? The fruit of the Spirit is, you know them? There's nine of them. Love, joy. Peace. Those are the first three. Those are the easy ones. Right, now the hard ones. Can you remember them? <laughs> I've got notes. Lucky me. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. What's the last three? Faithfulness. Gentleness. And the one you don't want to know about? Self-control. Yes. We all got, we know about fruit that we are spare, prepared, well, supposed to have. You see, Jesus is saying, stop with the leaves. If you've got leaves, you're coming to church, you profess to be a Christian. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Just think of that word there, much fruit. It didn't say one fruit. Some of us, Christians in church, they're striving, they want to produce a little bit of joy. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Sounds more like a bell movement to me. <laughs> no, man, I'll tell you what. We strive. Oh, I'm going to love somebody. Oh, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be kind to you. You know? No, no, guys. Listen, listen, listen. He said much fruit. Could I suggest to you guys something, even the ones at home? Fruit isn't just about you. It's actually about someone else eating you. He said have much fruit. If you've got one fruit, you can enjoy it. Oh, so nice, so tasty. But when you have much fruit, what do you do? You give it away. Like my annoying neighbors. They've got an apple tree. They eat one. But what do they do with the rest of the baskets? Wayne, would you like some? What must I do with all these smithy apples? Hey? What must I do? I've got all of these apples. Why? They're giving away much fruit, expecting somebody else. Just think about it. Patience. Patience. Is that for you or for somebody else? It's for somebody else to enjoy when they're annoying you. And you're showing them how to use a mouse for the last, for the 50th time. <laughs> no, not left click, right click. Read my lips, right click. <laughs> I won't look at anyone. <laughs> what about kindness? Who enjoys your kindness? Somebody else. Who enjoys your goodness? Somebody else. Who in Faithfulness, somebody else. The fruit that we give birth to, yes, we can enjoy it a bit, but it is much fruit for the reason somebody else can enjoy it. What are they biting to when they take a nibble of you? 
Jesus spoke a lot about much fruit over and over again. Much fruit, I'd like to submit to you, means fruitfulness. It means productivity. Fruitfulness means multiplication. Listen to this verse here in Genesis. Let's go right to the very beginning. Where was it first mentioned? Genesis 1, 28 and 29. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruit, bear fruit. Now, he didn't say bear fruit. He said, be fruitful. Meaning what? There's lots of fruit and multiply. He said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed. The fruit that we have is actually got a seed inside. It is by design meant to reproduce and multiply. So the fruit of the Spirit isn't meant to be one. It's a fruit that is meant to be sown and grown and multiplied. I've given you seeds which yield seed, which is all over the face of the earth, that every tree whose fruit yields seed, it will be good for you. An apple produces, apple tree produces an apple. Inside an apple, if you ever cut it open, little black seeds. Is that right? If an apple tree is fruitful, it produces a couple of apples. But it truly multiplies when the apple tree drops an apple to the ground and it springs up and a new apple tree is birthed. Now we've got multiplication. One apple, a fruit. Lots of apples, fruitfulness. A new tree, multiplication. Hallelujah. Okay, there's a couple of us around this room who knows a little bit about botany, so I thought I'd better check it out on Wikipedia. So I went and checked this out for just one or two of you because you know more than I do. Botany, it says this, the fruit is the seed-bearing structure of the flowering plant that is formed when the ovary of the flower has a seed. The fruit is the structure around the seed. And the reason for it, first of all, The fruit around the seed protects the seed, number one. Number two, when the seed falls to the ground or the fruit falls to the ground, then the fruit rots and becomes compost to nurture that seed. And number three, the animals come and enjoy the fruit, digest the seed, take the seed over there. Let's just say they multiply it. (laughs) We'll just stick with that. Seeing as I've been very graphic today already and I'm going to be in trouble, I'm sure. Do you guys get the picture? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Multiplication takes place over there. Not in here. Sailor. Think about that. Multiplication, I'm not talking just being at home. It's when we reproduce ourselves. Reproduce. 42 years ago, Glenn and um, Betty Thomas, the founding church uh, pastors of this church where did they come from grimsby if i remember correctly grimsby i don't know where grimsby is it's up north isn't it east east so it's east okay is it that way okay they came from that way to this way okay and they planted a church here in poynton because glenn's vision was to multiply in fact this church's name and still is our name our official charity name is called christian life fellowship fellowships 
plural because his intention was not just to have one, but lots of one. One here and one there and one there. And Pastor Andrew then took over and he started preaching something. And I have heard him preach this and talk to me about this a thousand times. And he says this verse one more time. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. But it's an amazing verse. Watch this. It's ingrained in us. Come on, you all know. What's his favorite verse? They will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord to do what? Display His splendor. Trees have leaves. They are planted. Why? Could I just say? That's so easy. Displaying His splendor is what? Fruit. It's being productive. It's multiplying. Without displaying, you're a bad tree. You didn't plant a tree just so you could sit there. It's to display His good works. People want to come up to the tree. Ooh, this is nice. I like what I see. Listen to this in, uh, in um, Psalms 1 verse 3. He, or PCF Church, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that brings forth fruit in its season. Whose leaf? We've never heard this leaf story before. If you've got leaves, you've got to have If you've got fruit, you've got to have and you can't have either if you don't have root. So we have, as a church, been putting our roots down. And now we've got leaves. And PCF Church, it is time. It's our season. It's time to multiply. Somebody say amen. amen. What are we going to multiply, you ask? As a church, we're going to multiply in word and in spirit. We are going to develop leaders, our small group leaders. A lot of you are sitting here right now this evening, or this morning. And you know what? You are it. Multiplying. You're taking the word of God and you're helping people come into your groups. And they're tasting. They're seeing the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering. They're seeing all of the fruit there. And they're growing. And our dream is to raise more leaders so that we can plant more small groups. But we've all ignored the last point that's been on our board for the last five years. We are going to be multiplying locations. PCF Church, this next coming year, we are going to plant a new church. No more leaves. Fruit plus leaves. Our roots are down. We have got the word. We are oaks of righteousness. It's time to give birth to something. If you don't, I'm going to explode. You're going to get fruit juice all over the place. we are going to plant in the next couple of months, we are going to plant a new church. Listen, not just here, somewhere else. They're going to eat our fruit, enjoy our fruit, and take it and plant somewhere else and grow and multiply. Over and over and over again. Oh my goodness, I've lost my notes. I don't even know where I am. I'm too fired up. How are we going to do this? Andrew's verse. We're going to display his splendor. We are going to love one, two, one. Oh, isn't that a cute little slogan there? Come on, it is really quite cute. Claire designed it. It was really cool. Well done, Claire. It's really nice. Love one, two, one. We're going to, under Jeff, he's heading this up for us, Jeff Reason. We're going to continue. What we started, we're going to do somebody's garden. What's the purpose of us doing somebody's garden? So that we can have short grass and no weeds? No. So we can have a conversation about 
Jesus. We're going to continue taking people who are isolated, lonely, or just feeling a little bit depressed, and we're going to take them out for a coffee and just share the love of Jesus with them. We're going to continue to do that. Some new ventures coming forward. We're going to be starting healing rooms. Maybe it costs a coffee, and we're trusting God for miracles to break out. Ian has just started, and he's continuing with build. That whole thing we saw this morning about building wasn't so that he could show off his fire skills. And I hope you had a fire-resistant tartan jacket on, and you had a fire extinguisher. Because if I, I'll, I'll sort you out. We, we've got to do it right. It wasn't so we could just have fun. What's the idea behind it? So we can go into somebody else's home who doesn't know Jesus, and we can help fix their plumbing so that we can be a witness to them, so we can show the love of Jesus, so they can taste our fruit. And they come back to us and say, oh, you guys taste so nice. Why are you doing this? You say, come along and see. It's because of my God in church. You've got to come and meet him. Come with me. It's all about that. We're going to continue holding music nights and doing whatever we do. Why? Because we want to love one another. One, two, one. PCF Church, time to multiply. So cool. So cool. Uh, just, just, Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Jesus did curse the tree. There is a warning. In Mark, it says, in response, if you do false pretenses, you're pretending to be a Christian without the delivery, you're not doing something, you're cursed, let no one eat of your fruit ever again. Your productivity is cut off. In John's gospel, he put it this way, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire so that they are burned. But there's a reward for us who are multiplying, producing fruit. There is a reward. Look at this. When you start to shake your leaf and show your fruit, woohoo, yeah, then whatever things you ask when you pray, you're going to believe that you receive them and you will have them. Come on, somebody. Could I suggest to you, this is the beginning of an open heaven. You just have to shake your leaves and say, hey, come taste of me. And then you can ask anything and it begins to happen for you. Yes. So you go to someone's house and you, you're doing their garden, you're doing whatever and say, Jesus, could you touch this person and minister to them and bring healing to their lives? And God says, I think I can answer that prayer. Yes, because anything you ask in my name will be done. Yes, you can have it. Jesus, can we plant a new church over there? Yes, is the answer. Yes, you can. Because we bob the builder. John put it this way. If you abide in me and my words abide in me, you will ask whatever you desire. And will be done for you. Oh, Jesus, I'm so depressed at the moment. I'm feeling really bad at the moment. Why don't you start to show some fruit of love, peace, and joy, let someone else eat of you, and what's the bedding? Your whole demeanor changes, and Jesus heals you. We are so inward focused sometimes, like an ingrown toenail. Oh, soul! Stop being so introspective, and let's touch the world around us and watch Jesus change our world. When we shake our leaves and our fruit and let someone eat, it becomes an open heaven. I'd like to submit to you, when we are fruitful and multiplying, We can do the impossible through Jesus Christ. All impossible becomes possible. Man, I'm excited. 